When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody. I'm going to state the obvious. I'm a member of the press, breaking news. But throughout my career, people in the press have said a lot of really charming things about me. I'm being sarcastic. Critical, mean stuff. Some of it downright laughable, though. I mean, who cares either way? But possibly the one that cracked me up the most, because it was so totally absurd, was in a book called The Fortune Tellers, Inside Wall Street's Game of Money, Media, and Manipulation. It was written in the year 2000 at the pinnacle of the dot-com bubble. I had been a reporter and anchor at CNBC for two years by then arguably right at the height of the channel's popularity. And the author actually was Howard Kurtz, who's here at Fox now, but he was at the Washington Post. This was way before I personally knew him. He described me in the book as, quote, a swimsuit model. I was like, wait, this is supposed to be a nonfiction book? I mean, I'm a lot of things, but no, I doubt I'd ever be mistaken for a swimsuit model. But thanks anyway, Howie. During my college years, though, I was obsessed with the models in the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue because to me, it was aspirational because the models they used were healthy looking. They had muscle, Elle McPherson. They had curves, Rachel Hunter. Their personality showed through, Paulina Portskova. But my favorite was always... Sports Illustrated's three-time cover girl, Kathy Ireland. I mean, she looked like she was having fun. And to me, a California girl, she embodied the Golden State. I mean, we're the exact same age, both from Southern California. I mean, granted, at 5'10", she could step on me, but there was just something different about her. Little did we know she would become something very different. Unlike legions of models before her, Ireland was not about to let an industry known for slapping expiration dates on women define who she was or who she would become. Try jumping from SI, Vogue, Cosmopolitan, Bazaar, and Mademoiselle covers to the cover of the Business World's Bible, Forbes magazine. How did Kathy the supermodel become what she is today, a self-made capitalist running a massive furniture and home goods empire that does billions of dollars more in sales and licensed retail than Martha Stewart, Ralph Lauren, or Tommy Bahama? I am so honored to introduce you to my friend, Kathy Ireland of Kathy Ireland Worldwide. Hi, sweetie. How are you? Oh, Liz, I'm great. It's so wonderful to connect with you. You're amazing. Okay, first of all, (laughs) you are the ultimate gorgeousness supermodel. (laughs) You're way too smart for that industry, however, and congratulations for everything that you do. I love your reporting. I love how you dig deeply and you just, uh, you work with such integrity and it is cherished and admired and respected by countless people around the world, including me. So it's always great to be with you, Liz. Kathy, thank you. I mean, Kathy and I, just so you guys know, we met 12 years ago. And gang, 
Where we met should tell you a lot about her business chops. We met at Warren Buffett's annual Berkshire Hathaway shareholder meeting, and and you were there because your line of furniture had a prominent place at the Berkshire-owned, what, Nebraska Furniture Mart, right? How'd you get your goods sold at the largest freestanding furniture store in the world? (laughs) You know, our very first uh, retail partner in the home industry was Nebraska Furniture Mart, NFM. And Irv Blumpkin, who is the grandson of Mrs. B, Rose Blumpkin, who came to this country virtually penniless Mm -hmm. and started Nebraska Furniture Mart, uh, he came into the showroom. We were new in the industry. He looked at me and he saw team members who, you know, I, I... started this company by hiring people, investing in people. And I could tell by the way he was looking, he thought I had an entourage. And so <laughs> he says, all right, Kathy walks me through the showroom alone <laughs> and uh, we'll see if she knows her stuff or not. And, you know, if she doesn't, I'm not going to buy and I'll, I'll tell everybody. And so I took a deep breath and walked Irv through. And I am so grateful because he gave us a chance. And you know that those people who give you that opportunity yeah. and you just know you got to do well by them because that 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 was a big deal. How Nebraska goes, the, the country goes. He gave mm-hmm. us our first opportunity. He and his wife, Susie, have become such dear friends. And he's best friends with Warren Buffett. And so that's how we came together. And something, Liz, you and I have in common is we both had paper routes along with Mr. Buffett. And you've got a great arm um, in those (laughs) annual newspaper tossing competitions. (laughs) You're very strong. Well, a lot of people don't know, but yes, Warren Buffett and Bill Gates had a newspaper Mm -hmm. route. And so did you. To me, you know, I think of you as this supermodel, but let's go to when you were that young and had a paper route and your life growing up in California. What age was that? Uh, You know, I started my paper out when I was 11 and a half. Uh, When I finally came of age, my dad uh, shoves a newspaper under my nose with an ad that read, newspaper carrier wanted, are you the boy for the job? And dad knew the reaction it was going to get. I I wrote to the editor. I said, I'm not the boy. I'm the girl. I deserve a chance. Um, First day, it's New Year's Day. Papers are extra thick with those inserts. And I'm a scrawny 11-year-old wondering, what have I gotten myself into? And I'll never forget pedaling up a steep hill. I see this man at the end of his driveway. And as I approach him to give him his paper, he looks like he's clearly upset about something. I I don't know what. And as I hand him his paper, he starts screaming at me. You know, what are you doing here? This is a boy's job. You have no business being here. You're never going to last. And Liz, I, I didn't let him see me cry. But to this day, I am so grateful because uh, there was no way I was going to let him stop me from this. And and how could I? Because what would it do to the next girl who would want that oh opportunity? My. That is an amazing story. So who I, was this cretin who yelled at you? <laughs> my goodness. I uh, well, uh, oh my goodness. Yeah, I mean, hearing hearing people saying unkind things to you, I have to. I got to yeah. say my prayers because it makes me want to go beat them up. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, he was um. Uh, he was just, he was just a, a sad, grumpy man. Mm-hmm. And uh, I he, he, thank you to him because I kept that route for three and a half years. And each year I won carrier of the year for my district. My dad always said, he gave me great advice. He said, Kathy, 
always give 110%. If the customer expects the paper on the driveway, you put it on the front porch. So that was the foundation of learning to under-promise and over-deliver. It's the foundation of our business today. It's so simple. And it's, you know, today when a team member gives a great presentation, we say, you got it on the front porch. Oh, I love that. Okay, so you're very, very young. You're doing your paper route for a couple of years. Now take me to when you turn 16 years old. You're growing up now in Santa Barbara, California, because that's the year you got discovered. What happened? You know, I was 16 years old um, for my birthday. My parents said, you know what? We we didn't have the, the funds at the time for piano lessons or ballet or anything like that. Our town just opened this new modeling school, LaBelle, Betty Mazzetti's LaBelle. So they, and, and I was quite a tomboy. And I think they thought this might just, you know, give me a little poise or something. <laughs> they teach you how to walk and match your clothes and all of those things. Uh, I was not model material. I was a beach rat. My nose was always peeling. My hair was always fried. But the look of the moment was always changing. I mean, it's just, it it's continually changes. And, and I also had one eyebrow. Oh, right, because you I discovered got thick tweezers. eyebrows. Yeah, thick eyebrows. <laughs> uh, so the, the two was an illusion. A, a scout from New York came, asked if I'd like to go to New York for the summer. And I said, thank you, but no, thank you. Um, I just didn't seem like it was even a possibility. They said they would advance the money. If I really didn't like it, I could go home. And I thought, you know what? This is an opportunity. It's not my dream, my plan, or anything I ever thought, but I, maybe I could save money for college or to start a business. The entire time I worked in that industry, I was trying and failing at businesses. Had one of those endeavors worked out sooner, uh, the modeling career would not have gone on as long as it did. Mm, isn't that interesting? Uh, but what was your parents' reaction? Oh, some somebody says, Ooh, we'll pay you, come to New York. You know, they were they were hesitant. My mom actually came out with me for the first five days. I stayed in one of those model apartments and uh, she wanted to make sure everything was okay. I was really naive. I mean, I my whole world was as far as I could pedal my bicycle. And then I was in New York City and it was very eye opening. I met some wonderful people and I met some the industry attracts some not so savory people as well. Mm-hmm. So it was a it was an eye-opening experience for sure. But um but I'm grateful because it ended up being a great education. Well, what was your first paid fashion shoot for for which company, which designer? Cuz I I love this is the 80s. I just love reaching back to that time. Oh goodness. Um th- there were some some great designers and photographers. I did a lot of work with Peter Lindbergh um, in Europe. But uh, my very first job, it was for Modern Bride. This is Everyone Talks to Liz, and we will be right back. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze 
to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. Tell me about your first paid cover. Which, which magazine was it? Oh, my first paid cover, uh, that would, you know, that was Italian Vogue. Oh, how chic. You know, I didn't know it was going to be a cover. Didn't didn't know that either. Um, but that was, um, yeah, it, and, and that was a good experience because Peter Lindbergh, such a, a kind man and such, such a great team of people. So that was good. That was oh, a good yeah. experience. Uh, and and yeah. then we lead, there was so much in between, but how did you get chosen to be in the SI swimsuit issue? Because that is the holy grail for models. At least it certainly was in the 80s and 90s. Tell us what it was like the first time you got the call. You know, Julie Campbell, who started that issue, uh, the editor, and oh, she, she went to heaven last year, and I miss her dearly. We, we were so close. Um, but she called me into her office, and she said she liked me because I was a California girl and I wasn't too skinny. It's like, okay, that's, I like that because <laughs> I like to eat, so that's good. <laughs> and uh, the first job, she took me on a ski story. She used to do that with girls to see how they traveled. And um, she asked if I could ski. I, I didn't lie, Liz, because I had skied once. Um, she, she didn't get specific. I went on a run called um, Sesame Street and Mammoth in California. <laughs> but I always wanted to ski. I wanted to learn. I didn't have the opportunity. So I was like, yeah, I can do it. They took me up to the top of a mountain on a ski cat in Taos, New Mexico. Really long skis. And I just remember oh. just crashing into this poor photographer. They ended up having me stand there and hold the skis and it, nobody got hurt. It was fine. <laughs> well, that to me is is very interesting that they would almost give you a tryout to see. And it would yes. be the complete opposite. I mean, snow versus sunshine. Right. I mean, she really wanted to see she, she didn't like drama on the trips. Uh, it was a very in the beginning. We had no hair and makeup. We did our own. And I, I just thought it was fantastic because I was being taken to these amazing locations around the world. And that was back in the days when magazines had budgets oh, and yes. they'd bring you in a few days early just to get tan. <laughs> and, um, Seriously? You know, that was, oh, my gosh. You can, you can complain, you know, yes, there's a lot of hard work that goes into modeling and all, you know, all mm -hmm. of this stuff. But... You know, there there were some some uh, some nice benefits as well. Well, you made it look like so much fun. Uh, you made it three times on the cover, thirteen different seasons of that magazine. 
but I always remember the famed sparkly bikini cover. The title was She Reigns in Spain. But one thing, I scrutinized all the covers, and it always struck me how minimal the makeup was and no nail polish or long nails. Were there rules? Oh, you are so observant. Um, yes. I mean, Julie liked it to keep it really simple. And and so that was that made it easy, you know, just less less challenges. So you're doing really well. You're hugely famous. You're on posters in dorm rooms. Was there a pivotal point during the 13 years you were profiled in the SI swimsuit issue, Kathy, that you began thinking, wait a minute, these guys are making oceans of cash off my image. I mean, I could be a brand. I could do this myself. You know, Liz, I I wasn't thinking so much about what I could make off of my image, but I knew that I could do a business. I mean, I knew I could start something and I, I recognized that, you know, that the modeling industry is so fickle. It's about a look of a moment that is continually changing. You have very little control over how you look. And I didn't want something as important as my paycheck to be dependent upon how someone else perceived I look. So I really wanted to start something that was not dependent on that. And, uh, we started with a single pair of socks. And at this point, I was an aging pregnant model at my kitchen table. It's 1993. And I was offered the opportunity to model the socks. Um, not quite as glamorous as it sounds. It was a small <laughs> budget, no location. Um, that was exciting to me. And it seemed like a wonderful place to start. Uh, and that's when we started with the surprise factory inspections, family-based focus groups, love the socks, took out the first in a series of loans, uh, loaded the backpacks, hit the streets, presenting the socks to retailers. The rejection, um, thank goodness, I had so much experience with the rejection from modeling, so it didn't bother me <laughs> when the doors would slam. I mean, no just meant, okay, now we're talking. I'll come back tomorrow. <laughs> Maybe uh, your circumstances will have changed. Maybe someone else will be in the, the decision maker. Maybe you'll be in a better mood. <laughs> but, you know, if we're not, if we're not reaching for the sky, if we're not, you know, trying, you know, to, if we're not scaling and climbing and uh, we, we just, we, we miss out on so much. We got, we have to, while we're on the climb, we got it, we head for success and we can't be confined to someone else's opinion of us and Absolutely. have anything like that slow us down or stop us. Well, what's amazing is that one of the biggest names in retail at the time said, yes, Kmart. Yes, they did. And that was, um, you know, that was amazing. Um, we, uh, we we sold our socks. CEO called me in one day he, and he informed me that the socks were a blowout. I was kind of mortified because we had our first baby in diapers and a blowout has a very different meaning. And he's, sure, he's like, nope, nope, this is good. The merchandise is, he looked at my face. He's like, no, this is good. <laughs> it's moving out faster than it's coming in. And so they, they asked for exclusivity at their channel of distribution. You know, we came to them as a vendor and we grew our brand there and it was, it was wonderful. Um, we, we, uh, grew our brand to, um, it, it changed the way we ran our business. We started by, um, you know, there were times we'd sleep in airports to save money and seriously, 
you know, just when we were scheduling, it's like, okay, this will, this will save. I mean, we were very frugal starting out. We were in the red starting out. We were in a handful of sporting goods stores and, um, but you know, we believed in the product. We believed in what we were doing. We knew we had something of value and, uh, but those days were long gone. And then, uh, then uh, we get a phone call that they're experiencing some challenges. Next, there was a bankruptcy. And uh, that was those were interesting times. Um, got a call from the bank who uh, set up a lunch for what they rep- politely referred to as the situation. <laughs> and oh, uh, they shared that, um, you know, we were responsible for the entire liability. If it didn't work out, they could take away our homes and uh, very chilling. And you know what? I should have known better, Liz, because at that time we had 35 team members with families on our payroll and it was the largest bankruptcy in retail history. And my heart still breaks for everyone who lost their jobs, their stocks. Yet they, you know, they, they came out of that. We stayed with them through it. And, uh, you know, we, we were in debt and starting over, but um, starting that climb once again. And uh, it's so many powerful lessons. And I'm so grateful for that. Well, you just gave about 38 powerful lessons in all of that. And I think one of the most important that I'm seizing upon is you don't just walk out the door and accept a no or let it dissolve you into backing away from reaching for that dream, which you just kept reaching, girl. I mean, rugs, furniture, you expanded exponentially after the socks. Uh, well, uh, you know, I'm I'm very grateful. We uh, a lot of uh, we pulled a lot of 24 sevens, um, but we love what we do. And today we're working in in so many different sectors. And it's really about not not letting someone put limits on you, not letting someone else's opinion of you define or destroy you. There's ups and downs in life every single day. You just, you got to get back up again. This is Everyone Talks to Liz, and we will be right back. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Clayman. Just go to Indeed.com slash Clayman right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clayman. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When Forbes put you on the cover with the title Supermodel Super Mogul, and and that to me indicated, oh my gosh, she's like hauling in billions of dollars with a company she started with socks. I mean, this is unbelievable. Supermodels like Kate Upton and Hannah Jeter have said they want to model their careers after you. How does that how does that make you feel to know that that other models aspire to have a career like yours and 
don't they really need to understand that if you think rejection was tough at the modeling level, business is way harder? It, it, it's, it, it is hard and it's humbling. Um, and, and I love having the opportunity to mentor. I've had some incredible mentors in my life and to be able to mentor others is a gift. I mean, brand building is hard work, but something that I share with young people, especially young women is, you know, don't be afraid of rejection. Listen and listen to criticism because sometimes it's can be wrapped in a nasty package, but you've got to look at it to see, is there anything I can learn here? Uh, or do I just throw it away? Or how can I do better? Even if it's not communicated nicely, what can I learn from this? And something that I've learned is no limits. You have partnered and licensed with home and garden, as you said, fashion, travel, weddings, insurance. How involved are you in making sure your name and brand don't get misused or diluted? Mm, Liz, that's a great question. Um, I, I get accused of being a control freak. I prefer <laughs> to think of it as passionate. <laughs> I you know who said the same thing, Beyonce? She said, oh, okay. you know, women women are called control freaks, but we're just doing what men have always done, and that is mm. ensure that the brand and the name behind it remain platinum. Yes. Well, you know, we, we work very hard to earn trust. It, it just, you know, it's something you have to earn and it can be lost instantly. And so it's important on, on every level. And, uh, you know, just so many lessons throughout my life. My mom and dad, oh, such great mentors. My mom was the ultimate entrepreneur. She did everything from babysitting businesses. She was an Avon lady, housekeeping business. She made dresses in the 70s and sold them at art fairs. I made jewelry to go along with them. Then she became a nurse. So she, she could just always do anything. And so that also gave me a lot of courage to know that I could walk away if something wasn't right. And, um, you know, and just, and then really, I I think something that I had to learn to overcome was finding my voice, uh, working as a model. My uh, job description was basically shut up and pose. (laughs) And, And when I had an opportunity, I was thinking about this when you were uh, talking in the opening, I had an opportunity to speak and a critic very publicly said I had a voice that could kill small animals. (laughs) I hope it's not true because I love animals, but I have to admit I was 25 years old. I couldn't order a pizza on the phone. I had like this really high squeaky voice. They thought I was a kid making a prank. And so years later, I was giving my first business talk. It was with Ernst and Young and um, I was so nervous and I'm looking out the curtain. I'm seeing people filling into their seats. One of my business partners looks at me and he says, stop it. (laughs) I can tell you're nervous. It's not about you. Look at those people. They, they paid for their tickets. They, they are organized childcare, transportation, all of that. You know what that is. You have information they need. Your job is to take care of them. Get over yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Good advice. It's like, yes. So it was great advice. So I get out there and I, I give the talk and halfway through, about three quarters of the room had left. <laughs> and I thought, oh, 
I, I thought, well, it's a business. You know, they probably all have business meetings to go to. And <laughs> my team assured me afterwards, no, they did not. Um, oh, thanks. <laughs> it, I did a really bad job and I had a lot of work to do. And uh, I, another thing I recommend is don't surround yourself with yes people. Be with people who you want encouraging people, but you want people who love you enough who are going to help you get better and do stronger. And a lot of times when you're doing so, you're going to fall on your face the first few times, maybe the first few hundred times, but you just have to get up. And if people can learn from my failures, I am so grateful. Well, you lived it. That's the thing. And and these are the very people like you we bring to our unbelievable audience. We have people who are listening. We have a million downloads. I mean, it's unbelievable how successful this has become because they want to hear about the failure so they understand, okay, it's supposed to feel like this. It's You're supposed to get punched in the face. You're supposed to stumble and fall. It's okay. That means you're in it. That means you're in the arena. What did you find in this documentary that you could pass on to people listening? Uh, well, you're not alone. That's one thing. Um, Liz, I can't think of a more difficult time to be a young person or an old person. I mean, it's just, it is a really busted, broken world. Yeah. There's a lot of hard things. There is so much hope. And, um, and I am so grateful for that. Yet, uh, education is um, is a passion of mine. I've served on boards of directors for education for 30 years. I continue on the advisory board of the James Madison program at Princeton. Um, one of the founders of a startup. Uh, now it's a pre-K through grade 12 uh, Christian College Preparatory School in Santa Barbara. Um, and worked with mentoring programs around the globe. I love kids. Education is is so important. And reaching young people to let them know that, you know what, you're not alone. And it's not just the, the kids, but it's the families. It impacts everybody. And uh, this, this documentary, it's done by Laura Morton. She's a 21-time New York Times bestselling author. And Vanessa Roth, she's Academy Award winning director. These women did just a powerful job. When I uh, connected with them on this, it was like, how can I help? I believe in what you're doing. I'm getting phone calls because of my work in education. I get phone calls every week. Like, you know, my I'm worried about my kid. Um, I, I mean, there's some serious, serious issues that just cannot be overlooked. But I, I do really think the first step is knowing that you're not alone. Yes. It brings a lot of peace and a lot of comfort. You know, we're, we're going through this together and uh, and we'll get through it. Uh, the, the young people in the film, they're so brave and I'm so proud of them for sharing their stories. And um, it's helping a lot of people really wow. exciting. I, I, that's it. I mean, you have helped so many with that documentary, and I hope people listening who suffer from anxiety or have children who are suffering from anxiety, um, I know I've had my moments with anxiety, uh, mm. need to watch this because it is, it is a lifeline in, in many respects. You know, we're talking about documentaries. It's pretty interesting. Lately, there has been a resurgence in these documentaries about the supermodels of the 1980s. Is that interesting to you? I mean, have you watched any of them? And what do you think? 
Oh, I, 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 I need to, I've been hearing about some really well done ones and, um, and it is, it feels like a lifetime ago. I am um, working um, as one of the producers of a, a documentary on Julie Campbell. Her family is doing this, um, Jill Campbell, her daughter-in-law and, and team. And she, Julie was just such, uh, such a leader, such a pioneer in so many ways. And what I learned from watching Julie on the SI shoots is... I watched her fight for the integrity of her brand. She um, was a woman editor. It, it, it Basically, it was a man's magazine. There weren't a lot of women there. And I watched her work with a lot of guys and really stand firm and fight to, to make it what she wanted it to be and what it needed to be. And, uh, and that was inspiring to me. That really is, you know, when, when I'd be <laughs> trying to come up with a new pose and <laughs> running out of pose, like, oh dear, what do I do now? <laughs> running out of poses. Um, just thinking, I, I got to get on the other side of the lens. <laughs> I got to get there. <laughs> when, you've gotten on the other side of the lens, the other side of the wallet, the other side of the business world. And we are so proud of you. As we finish Aww. up, uh, I do think it's really important for our listeners to understand how important religion is in your life. How has Aww. that given you strength to be that person who maybe pushes back and says, "No, I'm not going to do that," or "No, I'm not going to, I'm not going to cross that line," and I am going to raise my kids and raise my family with the integrity that I believe is worthy of me. Oh, thank you, Liz. You know, I, I grew up with no religion, really. Um, my mom became a Christian when I was a teenager. And without telling me, she stuck a Bible in my suitcase when I was traveling to Paris. I was lonely and jet lagged. I opened and up, but you know, just out of boredom. I was rebellious. I was questioning authority. Mm -hmm. And as I opened up and read, I knew what I was holding in my hands was the truth. And I knew if he was with me, who could be against me? I, I then, you know, I went on to I, so much of it I loved. I'd read other things and think, oh, well, that must be a translation or a typo or something. So I was picking and choosing. And I've made so many mistakes. I've made so many big messes. And I'm so grateful. I love the scripture that says the one who's forgiven much loves much. I love a whole bunch. And I'm so grateful. And yes, I mean, my faith in the Lord, that is my hope. And when I experience this world, this broken world, and I know how much God loves every tongue, tribe, and nation, and my heart right now is smashed over these precious hostages. Me too. That um, I ju it's just, uh, it's a hard world, Liz. It is a hard world. And there is so much suffering. There is, you know, wherever we are in the world, uh, we've got some dear friends in Burma, helping the people there who are being you know, slaughtered by their government. We look at the the Uyghur Muslims in China. Uh, it, it's just there's so much suffering, yet that blessed hope, that eternal perspective, and that love 
that's what gets me through that that relationship liz if if i didn't have that relationship i wouldn't be talking to you right now i can tell you that much but that's that's everything and it and it helps me to i don't like to think to to refer to it as religion sometimes i'm even hesitant to say christian because that means different things to different people and we have so much uh, just at, it, it everything from prosperity gospel to replacement theology which are such lies it has nothing to do with god or his word um you know his his love of of israel and uh, and the people and they're not perfect none of us are his love of all people yeah. but i just you know when i experience bigotry and anti-semitism and and all of that it it's heartbreaking but it's also i'm encouraged because we've got a lot of work to do there's a lot each day um and i'm i'm grateful for for every moment every day and uh, uh people need to they need to know the hope You've just given some of it to us, Kathy. The world's a better place with you in it. Oh, my goodness. I'm so happy to share your story with our listeners. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Liz. Thank you. The one, the only, Kathy Ireland. What an inspiration, as beautiful on the inside as she is on the out. In fact, even more so. Uh, me, uh, now my, my swimsuit model days uh, actually never began, but um, one day Kathy and I are going to get in bikinis in California and jump in the spray of the ocean because we're California girls. And thank you all, as always, so much for tuning in. And, and I hope these are making you, you know, more energetic to reach for your dreams and understand it's not easy. It's not supposed to be. That's OK. I'll see you Monday through Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Claim and Countdown. Want to listen ad-free? You can do it with a Fox News Podcasts Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And then Amazon Prime members, you can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. The Will Cain Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox & Friends weekend host Will Cain as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts.